This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, welcome to It's a Doggy Dog World. I'm your host, Liz Palaika. And with me today, as always, are my good friends, Petra Burke. Hello. And Kate Abbott. How do And we're going to talk about dog behavior and dog training today. You know, we often bounce around to a variety of different subjects, but our, our core thing is dog training and behavior. And today, we're going to talk about generalization. And generalization in regards to dog training and in regards to dog behavior. Because one thing we hear about all the time in our training classes is, but he does it at home. And then I get here to training class and he doesn't do it here, but he does it at home. So let's talk about that and, and why that happens. So warning, I intend to kind of geek out for a few minutes here. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like a warning buzzer. <laughs> time. Even worse than that, geek time, geek time. Um, how do dogs think? Yeah. And then, if you want to fast forward to what to do to reduce No, problems. listen to the whole thing. Because <laughs> okay. it'll give you a good giggle, if nothing else. She's going to quote Dr. Seuss. <laughs> uh, well, as an analogy, sort of. <laughs> so, what is generalization? And as I was thinking about it and driving here, I was listening to NPR, and uh, somebody had called in with a question about Dr. Seuss' book. And I started drifting off into green eggs and ham because I thought, what a great generalization example. So if you haven't read it in a while, and I have to confess I haven't, but the question is, do you like green eggs and ham? And he says, no, I don't. And his buddy says, well, how about, would you like it in a train? Would you like it on a plane? Would you like it? Blah, 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 blah. And uh, I think it's Sam, right? Sam says... Sam says, no, I don't I like it. I knew that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. <laughs> so Sam says, no, I don't like it anywhere. So he has generalized. He doesn't like it in one place. He doesn't like it everywhere. But if you asked a dog the same question, and the dog would say, I don't know. I've had it on a train, but I've never had it on a plane. I might like it on a plane. I don't know. So the dogs in general in general, do not generalize. Until they've been taught to. Until they've been taught to. So one definition is generalization is being able to do a behavior in a less familiar situation. Can it transfer over? So before I thought of the Dr. Seuss, humans are good at generalization. That's one of our species pros. In spite of all the memes going around about bringing back stick shifts to annoy the younger generation. <laughs> <laughs> I'd miss that. I mean, you. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that would be fun. Yeah. I'd like a stick shift. Me too. <laughs> that most people, there's, I think now the majority of the population do not know how to drive a stick shift. Right. So. Yeah. But, I learned assuming <laughs> that it's an automatic, once you have learned to drive, then you can move to another car. Now there will be some short-term, quickly figuring Where out Where are the buttons? And... But the idea of driving is now you're able to generalize it all over the place. 
even to other kinds of vehicles. Mm-hmm. Sure. But not with a dog. And you're never quite sure what they're going to grab onto with their specialization. But on the other hand, they, they're much better at picking out things from the environment than we do. So well, they're a predator. Yeah, you look out over the forest trail, and it looks clear to you, and your puppy dog has gone, three squirrels on the left, one on the right, yeah. there's a turtle under there, something's flying. Things that we miss, they are much more likely to pick out of the environment. True. We each have our strengths. Exactly. But if we don't recognize that dogs are not good generalization creatures, then we do something with them, you know, a hundred times at home, and then you go someplace else and go, ah, you know this, why aren't you doing it? That great Dane you worked with. Oh, oh Lord, yeah, yeah, a few years ago. That was, that was a classic extreme example. Yeah. Uh, did a home private training, and the, the dog was beautifully trained as long as you were within, oh, nine square feet of the kitchen counter. And that was the woman's problem. She says, well, as soon as we go into another room, he acts like he's never heard the word sit before. So I asked her to show me, and sure enough, then I noticed that she had her treat jar on the kitchen island counter there. And when I asked her to go into the other room, she didn't take any treats with her. And especially didn't take the jar. Didn't take the jar. And even when she took the jar, the dog was still hesitant. So that was one of my experiments. Anyway, she had done all of her training in that nine square feet around the counter because it was the most convenient for her. (laughs) So therefore, the dog said, sit means put my butt on the ground. As long as we are in this room, this close to the counter, and you have that jar around. Mm -hmm. And for all I know, it could have been that she always wore a green sweater when she trained. I mean, there's so many variables. Well, we see that with dogs also when their owners are wearing a treat pouch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you put the treats in your pocket, that's changed the whole thing. But if that treat pouch is on, Mm -hmm. if you're wearing the treat pouch, that's the cue to behave. And so a lot of people start saying, well, he only will behave if I've got the food to bribe him with. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, you can still use food, but let's change how it's presented to the dog. And eventually, of course, all these things you want to fade away once. Yeah, you don't want to have to be using treats for the next 14 years. Unless you're introducing something new. So the location, the environment, and you're part of the environment Mm -hmm. are all part of things that can... That a dog can say, these, all, all of these conditions must be met. And speaking of you or the environment, how many times we hear from students, well, the dog will behave for the wife or the dog will behave for the husband because one of them does 99% of the training. And then when the other family member steps in, the dog says, oh, well, no. You're not part you're, of my equation. You're, you're not, yeah, you're not part of this. Or yeah. you're saying it different. And it, it, even with all aspects of life. So you may teach your puppy dog not to get on the couch in the family room. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't, that's not the same thing as teaching him not to get on the couch in the living room. Yeah. That's a whole different mm-hmm. room, a whole different piece of furniture. And it takes more than a hundred times to do something. It takes thousands and thousands. And each time changing the environment at least a little. And then recognizing you have to teach your puppy dog, yes, we can do it in another room. Okay, we've done it 100,000 times here. Great, now we're going to do it without you seeing my treat bag. And then we're going to go outside. Every time you do something like that, it's as though you're setting your puppy dog's 
understanding back to zero. Now, the good news is, as they get it in one place, it and takes it goes, less. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to do 100 million yeah. to reset. But you do often have to go back and say, ah, you don't understand it here and now. Well, before we started recording, I was talking about Hero, who's now two and a half mm-hmm. and is thinking he's a grown up and thinking he's hot stuff. And the rule in my house is I have three resident cats and I often have foster kittens. The dogs are not allowed to chase the cats at all, period, ever. Well, Hero, thinking he's grown up now and thinking he's big stuff, wasn't chasing the cats, but he was bouncing at them. And he's 50 pounds, and the cats are 10 or 11 pounds, and he's a big boy to bounce. Well, the two white cats were running from him, but the orange cat, Kirk, said, no, this is my house. You will not bounce at me. And he swatted Hero on the nose. And initially, Hero went, whoa, orange cat is scary. But I've noticed the last few days... He's now being cautious with all three cats. So he started to generalize that even though two will run from him and one makes his nose hurt, he's going, hmm, maybe all three are dangerous. And I don't think he's got it totally yet, but he's thinking about it. So that is one of the geeky parts about (laughs) looking at generalization is that negative occurrences like getting swatted on your nose by a cat. (laughs) Are much easier for a dog to generalize. Yeah. Sometimes way out of proportion. Mm -hmm. And, okay, geek part, it makes sense evolutionarily. Yes, it's like us. Bee sting, spiders. Petra hates spiders. (laughs) One and all. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, dangerous things. You learn fast. Dangerous things can kill you. Yeah. yeah. You've you got have to, to learn pay quick. attention. Yeah. Snake bites. Happy things, yeah, you know, those are nice, but they're not survivalist. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm still I'm still trying to figure out with my boy. So I don't know how much months ago when I gave him a treat, I must have given him a static shock when he reached for it. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quill the Jack Russell. So I still get it's less often now. But I will still get, sometimes we're working along, and I'll go to hand him a treat. And he goes, oh, oh, God, oh, God, I'll try to take it. Oh, my. And his eyes are all squinty in them. Okay, right, right. We got to deal with this again. So I have to go back and rework it so that he's happy. He has a positive reward mm-hmm. for taking the treat out of my hand. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but anyway, at least knowing it, I know, helps me understand what to do about it. Mm-hmm. But every one time that he flinches, or, Lord forbid, if he should get another shock. Yeah, and where we live, as soon as the weather warms up and the humidity goes down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. (laughs) And he being the most sensitive Jack Russell Terrier I've ever seen in my (laughs) life. (laughs) Yes. The orange cat, Kirk, got a shock on his nose from me a few months ago, and he got over it in a day. Your sensitive boy... Is still going on about it. He feels things very deeply. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. But that's another <laughs> challenge. <clears throat> the challenge is that a negative result will stick with a dog quickly and for a long time, even through different environments. But a positive response takes longer for them to believe that it will happen in different times, different places, 
different and we're not saying to train your dog with negative responses because you can't it's even harder to determine the effects of a negative right than it is to create should it happen in the environment like hero getting swatted by the cat yeah i had nothing to do with that that was between he and the cat but yeah don't even though the negative can be stronger you don't want to focus your training on the negative and it did make me stop and ponder how many dogs that i don't know why he reacts to some people you know, it could have been. We'll use a mild example. He got a static shot from somebody wearing a green shirt once. From then sure. on, anybody else in the world with a green shirt is dangerous and must be attacked. Yeah. And yet we humans are left scratching our heads going, I wonder why he doesn't like that person. And you definitely don't want a dog that just can react for reasons that you don't understand. Right. Yeah. If you understand it, then at least you can work with it, work with it prepare for it. I mean, commonly what we hear about is um, a lot of rescues with people with hats or sunglasses. Yeah. You know, dogs don't or like some, somebody who comes some with like, this big hat. Or, some like women and don't like men or vice versa. Again, yeah. What, what happens? Something. Oh, and doing the kind of prep work for the geeky portion of this, a dog that was just went maniacally ballistic if anybody tried to put a leash on him. Well, it, it turns out that they came by happenstance. They found out that as a young dog, he had chewed an electrical cord and got a very strong zap. So anything that looked cord-like. Oh. Anything. Anything. Totally freaked him out. So it took a massive, it took a while to figure out what the cause was. And the good news is, you don't always have to know the cause, but you can start doing counter conditioning and all that geeky stuff. Without actually knowing the cause. Right. But knowing the cause makes help. it easier. Right. Yeah. yeah. It does help. You do. Yeah. At least it makes us as humans go, oh, that's why. Okay. So let's take a break and talk about uh, our sponsor, who um, is Pets Are Kids 2. They have a variety of products, but today we want to talk about their premium pet oatmeal shampoo. Um, it smells absolutely wonderful. I mean, when I smelled it, I'm thinking oatmeal and vanilla. It was like a breakfast. <laughs> well, it makes sense, the uh, ingredients. For one thing, they're all natural, which is really nice. You don't have to worry so much about what weird things are being put into something you're putting on your pet. So oat proteins, baking soda, coconut-based cleanser. So it's plant-derived soap, water, glycerin, DMDH, which is a natural preservative. And then vitamins A, D, and E. So it's a nice, creamy, all-natural ingredient shampoo that smells good. It smells wonderful. And what's interesting is shampoo can be used on your dog or cat. So this can be used and cats on are, either. And cats are very sensitive, so that shows you what a quality product this is. Right, right. And this um, particular shampoo is supposed to um, help with the uh, less itching if you have a dog that itches or may have, I guess, you know, itchy skin or allergies. I assume this would be nice and comforting to them. Well, with the antibacterial, antifungal properties, uh, you're less likely to get a secondary infection from your dog mm -hmm. licking or scratching because of an allergies. And just soothing. That's so nice. Right. So if you're interested in this product, which smells absolutely wonderful, I would... Watch my dog stick my nose in their fur because they smell so good. But, but don't take a really deep <laughs> sniff or you're going to yeah. sneeze. <laughs> or don't inhale it like Liz attempted to. Got up her nose. <laughs> but if you're interested, check out some of their other products. Again, it is um, you go to petsarkids2.com. 
Pets.com. That's P-E-T-S-A-R-E-K-I-D-S-T-O-O. I feel like the Mickey Mouse Club. But <laughs> Pets Are Kids 2. Dot com. Dot com. And you can enter a code, which is PET, P-E-T, 1515, for a 15% uh, discount off your purchase. A portion of all proceeds go to help animals that are been diagnosed with cancer. And their little twist, which is quite personal, is they actually help the family themselves. Yeah. Or the, they, you know, they help provide financial care for the dog or cat undergoing cancer treatment. So it's very important to do research and, and fund that. But research is to help prevent in the future there are cats and dogs and their families that are dealing with cancer right now. And these people take some stress off of that. Stressful enough to lose your fur child and then all the financial burden. And to follow to through help. with that, uh, with every product that you purchase, if you take a picture of your dog or cat or your, I don't know, guinea pig for that matter, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, next to the product that you purchased and send that picture into Pets or Kids too, they will send back a picture of whichever pet your purchase is helping to fund their care for. So you get a personal, this is where your money, a portion of your money is gone. I just had a thought. Uh-oh. I bet this is awesome on ferrets. Oh, You know yeah. how stinky ferrets can be? Yeah. If this is safe for cats, this would be an awesome shampoo for ferrets. I should have uh, my daughter try it with her two ferrets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I yeah. when I had ferrets, I was always looking for a good shampoo that would get that musky odor right. off them right. without making them smell perfumey. Right. And I bet this oatmeal shampoo would be good for that. Yeah. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, all ferret owners. <laughs> be part of the experiment and let us know, and then take a picture of your ferret with the bottle. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sit. Stay. It's a doggy dog world. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. DGP is an all natural formula proven to help aging pets with joint and mobility problems. It goes to work quickly, providing vital nutrients to the joints while reversing the effects of age. Some people see results in as little as seven days. Don't let your dog struggle another day. Call 800-521-0543 or visit dgpforpets.com and enter the code DOGGY, that's D-O-G-G-Y, for 25% off your first order and free shipping. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're begging for more. So back to It's a Doggy Dog World with your fetching hosts, Liz Palaika and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. 
All right, back to our show. Well, we had a case, one of our trip, road trips to Arizona. We went to Arizona shortly after doing the rattlesnake avoidance training. Oh. oh. And <laughs> we checked into the, the hotel, then took the dogs out to go for a walk, and we walked across it was a the park, gas station. parking area of a gas station. Yep. And underground, in the tanks, something was clicking. Click, 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 click. Oh, it was rattling. It, rat- it rat- was more rattling. Rattling click. Yeah. And two or three of our dogs practically jumped in the air and went, bah Yeah. And it took us a minute. And then one of us, I don't remember which one of us, went, oh, that sounds like a rattlesnake. Yeah. Yep. And then we just moved, got yeah. out of there. <laughs> yeah, once we figured that out. Then we walked around and the dogs were fine. That was good to generalize and let's keep going. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were like stupid humans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you taught me this. Now you're not listening yeah. to me. Let's get out of here. That sounds like a big snake. <laughs> Underground. Well, then we're back to the generalization versus the discrimination. I mean, I know that there are times I've looked at my dogs and said, what a leaf fell get over it and they're like no you don't understand there's something out there yeah that i can't perceive right right and i mean they do. you got their eyesight the sense of smell i mean those are so much more tuned to a dog than us you know and i think we get kind of lackadaisical in our environment so we yeah. don't really pay attention as much yeah yeah and how it all fits together is a, is a wonderful geek puzzle yes what so understanding it thinking of it as a training opportunity how do you help your dog generalize so even at the very first steps teaching your puppy dog to sit you typically have your puppy dog facing you lift the nose with a treat let blood goes down release the treat good boy good boy hands on and then release but if you do that a hundred times then the puppy dog can very honestly righteously think i should always sit facing you Mm-hmm. Then you move on to the heel, and then you want him to sit by your side when you stop walking. And I can't and think of how many dogs move to the front. Yeah, butt swings around uh-huh. so they can face the. That's the way sit is done. Mm-hmm. So during that first hundred times, doing it at slight angles, from behind you to next to you to forty-five degree, so that that doesn't become one of the requirements for how I must sit is always facing you. So that's an easy enough. Your body language, that's harder for us to see. That's where it's helpful to have other eyes watching you or use the uh, video portion of your phone. Or I have, if I've been working on something specific, especially when I was still competing with my dogs, I would sometimes train in the bedroom in front of the closet mirrors. Ah, oh, yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. And there's another concept called proofing and... uh, It always does remind me of when they talk about making bread. (laughs) You let it rise so you proof the yeast, or you could proof the yeast before you put it in there. But anyway, it's making sure that everything's working right. Bless me on that one. Okay. You've yep. never proofed yeast? No. no. So you no. pull it out of the pantry and you want to know, is it? are the little yeasty beasties still alive? Right. Oh, warm water and sugar? So you can um, do that uh, and see if they go bubble, bubble, bubble. Yeah. Then you have proof that uh, the yeast is okay. ready to be used. Okay. Got it. I, I know about that part. Yeah. Okay. And then That's the other part it. is after Got you've it. actually mixed it in, you, the proof is when it rises up. Oh, okay. So I'll call Got it proofing it. there. Okay, so weird analogy, but okay. 
if we're looking at proofing whether our dogs really understand the cue that we want them to understand, then keep your mouth shut and just use a hand signal. Keep your mouth shut and just bend a little bit and see if what your puppy dog does. That or was doing it in a different place. Different. Huh? All it, of that is proofing. Yeah. yeah. If we if we use the sit, most of the time people start it when they're standing. How about sit down? Yep. Or as I did with one of my dogs at one point who was having trouble with it, lay down on the floor. Will your dog sit if you lay on command if you lay down on the floor? That's a real hard one. Do it in front of the mirror with your back turned to your dog. <laughs> That'll freak them out. Yeah. And excuse me. Um, that will put your proofing to the test. <laughs> or freak about (laughs) but you know and it may be fine it depends on what you want it may be fine that you turn and give your dog the look and they sit that's your cue that's fine as long as you can always use that cue yeah now in our classes for a lot of the exercises we teach both a hand signal and a verbal Mm -hmm. because it's really nice if you're talking on the phone and your dog says hi you're on the phone i don't have to listen to you to be able to give them a hand signal Mm -hmm. Or something in situations such as that. And sometimes it would. So one time I was working, Walter and another trainer, not with kindred spirits, was like, oh, so you use the bend over at the waist a bit. And I, what? I must have been moving two milliliters, millimeters. (laughs) (laughs) And just when I would say down, my unconsciously, I would tilt forward just a hair. Of course, he's a small dog, too. It's hard not to. But she said that and I went, oh. And she explained it, and I went, oh. So I stood there, and I didn't say down. I did not move my arms as I normally would do. I just leaned forward. He hit the ground. <laughs> that was another cue. Yeah. He would do it just verbally. He would do it just hand signal. But I had been using a whole body English cue, and I wasn't aware of it. Yeah. So once I, I didn't eliminate it, but. And, Petra, you've got a horse. Body language is everything to horses. Yeah, I use it all the time. Yeah. And it's funny because, yeah, it's weird because you're training dogs and then you work with your horse and you end up, I end up crossing the two. Sure. So both dogs and horse, no verbal commands. And yeah, body language is a huge thing. And I think. Huge with horses and you end up using dogs. Eye contact with horses. We think of eye contact with the dogs, but eye contact with horses can Mm-hmm. be everything also well that's a whole nother thing whether you're in front of the horse or off to the side right because their vision is different yeah there is. yeah yeah that's whether forward. you're looking straight forward mm-hmm. which can be a threat can back the horse up whether you're looking at a diagonal whether you approach on a diagonal whether you come up behind him <laughs> yeah no, anyway. um, so <laughs> we but, took kate on the side but generalization <laughs> with horses is just as important especially if you're riding on top and you want them to so when you're riding them and <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm riding top. underneath <laughs> I ride underneath I don't know where you <laughs> put the horse underneath because you're on top of this beast and if they think your body cues still the your slightest body body's cute there's the slightest movement of your weight but you something spooks the dog uh, the dog you cue the horse see yeah. right right well but a horse gets spooked, it's it's going to be life-threatening for you and the horse. Mm-hmm. Sure. So you really have to generalize with a horse all the different... I mean, Lord knows we don't want our dogs to spook and run out in traffic, but... Mm-hmm. A horse, you're talking about a 1,000-pound-plus yeah. animal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that can hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I think because of that, I mean, that's when you start also, I guess, reading your dogs. Like mm-hmm. you do, you read your horse. You're like, okay, you're alerting. You're something's caught. Like you said, you take a walk, you look, everything looks great, but they're like squirrel over there. This is there, that there. And you start re- looking, reading your dog. Like, okay, you've got something. Your horse. And then you start more. You're, it's like your sense of awareness and everything is, is sharper. We start understanding. Okay, I'm going to get really, really geeky. Out, <laughs> on, <laughs> out on a thin limb here. <laughs> okay, everybody, oh, sit back. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> it's. I have always loved the concept that humans have dogs influenced each other in coevolution. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. True. The idea that one of the reasons that we stand upright is because we had dogs with us that stayed on the ground to communicate with us, freeing us up to stand up and look further. Yeah. And to look for different we, things. We were on our hind legs before we... Civilized dogs. Many, 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 many years before we civilized dogs. And the things that we see, you know, we scan, they Uh pick out particulars. It meshes together nicely. It meshes together, yes. But as far as the evolution, yeah, we were on our back feet a long time before we had dogs. Where was I going with that? (laughs) You broke the limb? I don't know where you were going. There's no more limb. Slipped right off of that limb. Um, anyway, uh, but I know it is fascinating. I think it's the neatest thing is actually get down to your dog's level at times to kind of check out. Yeah. Wow, the world's pretty different down here. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Whatever good. the reason <laughs> gotcha. for our various ways of sensing the world, knowing it, or at least being aware of it, can change how we communicate with them, whether we communicate effectively or not. When And that's what it's all about. In search and rescue training, when I was doing search and rescue training, And when I was handling the military working dog, the mantra that we were all given was trust your dog. Mm -hmm. Because when you're starting to do search and rescue training, we are assuming, we assume that we know what's going on. And we don't know what's going on. We don't know that there's that squirrel hiding behind the trunk. When Paul and I did search and rescue training, we were back in Washington, D.C., Virginia, Maryland, that area. Lots and lots of woods. Most of our searches were in the woods. And you might be able to see, you know, a little ways, 25 yards through the trees. But if you got in some deep underbrush, somebody could have been fallen and hurt in the underbrush. A person would walk on by. Right. So the hardest thing for most people to do is give up that control. Right. Give up that control. You're just there to walk with your dog and support him. Your dog's the one doing the work. And it's the same with the military working dog, the uh, military police working dog. That dog knows more what that bad guy's doing than you do. Mm-hmm. And you got to trust him. I don't know if it's a new meme to the Internet, but it is to me. It's the um, black lab at the police station typing in his report. And it says, I found the drugs. I told my guy he gave me a ball. End of report. <laughs> I think he's like big-eyed looking over his shoulder. Going, yeah. I told the dumb human where it was or something. Yeah, like well, that. that's pretty much it. Yeah. And search and rescue is like, certainly yeah. it. It was so obvious to him. <laughs> yep. But uh, I, that's that's my reason for geeking out on it is it can change the effectiveness of our training if we don't understand. Yes. And we just get frustrated then. Well, he knows it. No, he doesn't. If he's not doing it, 
There may be other reasons, grant you, especially if you've got a teenager, teenage puppy dog, and they may not feel well, and there's a whole other host of reasons. But I do think a large majority of the time is the dog is going, no, no, all the conditions have not been met for me to do this. Mm -hmm. This is not the way you taught me. Right. And then we can say, oh, okay, and fix it. Help them do it, which makes our training more effective. We have better communication, blah, blah, blah. So it's it's worth geeking out just a little bit and then plan for a lack of generalization. And that's the fun part, is just varying everything. A good example for us is we travel a lot with the dogs. Throw them in the RV and take off. Who knows where we're going to be when we stop the RV and let the dogs out to go potty? Yeah. They went from point A to point B. Like, oh, where are we now? We could be at the desert. We could be up in the mountains. Yep. We could be at a rest stop. We could be at a Walmart parking lot. You know, who knows where we're going to stop and let them go potty. And so there's, for us to require consistent behavior from them, wait at the RV door while the leash is put on, come out of the RV when you're given permission to, walk nicely with us, go potty when you're asked to go potty, jump back in the RV, consistent behavior from the dogs, but yet all these changes, abrupt changes in the environment. And they've got to cope with that. And they've got to cope with it. And they've got to give us that consistent behavior. But we we have to train for that consistent behavior. But we have to train for it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's almost like reducing all of the... All of these things must happen for the dog to sit, but you just keep removing all of the ifs until mm-hmm. it's, oh, it's just if you say or move or do that. Yeah. Right, right. And then also I think, like our guys, they travel so much and we go to so many different places that they also get to a point where they trust us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, right. Okay, well, well we're, we're here. Mom <laughs> said to sit, okay, we'll sit. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think, like you said mm-hmm. earlier, the more you go out and journalize where they're supposed to do their obedience or you know behave the easier it is well that, that, as it goes on and on because really i mean these guys the clear you they're pretty bound for they pretty are i mean pretty yeah. much are especially even the our two young ones yeah started out immediately and yeah. <laughs> they were traveling at 10 weeks old yeah <laughs> a few thousand miles in their belt that quickly but yeah. that's i think a large part of that no, there's other things a large part of that is they understand what you're communicating mm-hmm because you've mm-hmm. taken the time to be clear and about it. And there's that, and that trust. trust. Mm-hmm. And the trust. Yeah. yeah. I'm never going to put you in a situation where you're going to be harmed. Exactly. I'm never exactly. going to purposely put you in a situation where you'll be frightened. Or if you are frightened, I'll be right here with you. Right. You'll never be frightened alone. Mm-hmm. You'll never be abandoned. This is a teamwork. Mm-hmm. Anyway, look at look at your variability. In your, oh, I was working with someone couple weeks ago every time they took the leash off the dog it would just go bananas whether it was in the home or in the yard or out and about and of course they were afraid that one day the leash was going to break and the dog would just go blah so just putting two leashes on the dog and every so often take one leash off and just continue on and then put another it just taking the leash on and off removed it as a communication cue that something was going to happen yeah but it took a long time yeah. to do that. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Anything else to add before we wind it up? You know, communication, 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 as I often think, <laughs> as I'm geeking out. Um, 
Green eggs and ham. Human <laughs> beings that oh speak my. the same language and the same culture still don't communicate well with each other. Yep. It's a miracle that we are able to communicate with our dogs and they can understand us. Yeah. Make it as easy on them as possible. All right. Well, that's it for this time. Take a listen to us next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>